It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? Hi, and welcome to another episode of High Time for True Crime. I'm Catherine. And I'm Khadijah. Today we're going to be discussing the Atlanta child murders, which pertains to the clip that we just played for you. So growing up in Atlanta, in the Atlanta area, I always heard this phrase when I was younger, but I literally never knew the origins. Khadijah, did you ever hear that ever played on the news or anything? Uh, no, I've never. This is the first time I'm ever hearing this. Yeah, so even though... I grew up in Atlanta and you didn't, like, neither one of us ever really had heard of this absolute monstrosity that took place uh, in Atlanta from, at very least, 1979 to 1981. During that time, 29 victims were murdered. They were all black children, all predominantly male. It didn't get any coverage, hardly. It took years for them to figure it out, and it's just... The harder you look, the more convoluted it gets, but we are dedicating this episode to the victims, all 28 of them, and recently they've reinvestigated and opened up to 157 cases that may be linked, but we'll get into it. The victims' age range is from 7 to 28. Their names are Edward Smith, Alfred Evans, Milton Harvey, Yusef Bell, Angel Lanier, Jeffrey Mathis, Eric Middlebrooks, Christopher Richardson, Latanya Wilson, Aaron Weish, Anthony Carter, Earl Terrell, Clifford Jones, Darren Glass, Charles Stevens, Aaron Jackson, Patrick Rogers, Luby Jeter, Terry Pugh, Patrick Baltazar, Curtis Walker, Joseph Bell, Timothy Hill, Will Barrett, Eddie Duncan, Larry Rogers, Michael McIntosh, Jimmy Ray Payne, John Porter, Nathaniel Cater. The surveillance on the bridge was covert. I remember sitting in the car, the radio squelch broke, and I heard something about a splash. It was three in the morning. They looked up on the bridge and they can see headlights. They had pulled someone over. I said, do you know why we pulled you over? And he goes, yeah, it's got something to do with those missing kids. July 29th, 1979, police find the badly decomposed bodies of two teenagers. Next thing you know, another body. It didn't become the story it should have been until there were nine young people who were dead. Black children were missing. Been missing since. Missing. 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 Okay, now this, this is going to get bad. The killings accelerated in pace. Kids are disappearing once a month. Maynard Jackson, he went up to the White House and said, I want every living FBI agent on the planet in Atlanta. It had to be somebody the kids knew and trusted. He was the connection. Who is this guy, Wayne Williams? We found the killer, and that's it. But that really wasn't it. You had people saying that this has to be the Klan, or this has to be some crooked cop, but nobody really knew anything. They didn't follow those leads. They chose Wayne. This could have turned into a riot because people were that angry. Elected officials did not want this case to go on. The families never had any closure. We have begun going through evidence to see if there's anything that was never tested. We have an obligation to ensure that every investigative lead was followed. I want to know who killed Curtis. I'm not going to stop because I'm a warrior. This vulnerability that at any moment you could be stolen. We come from stolen people. That's deep in our psyche. Do what should have been done. Solve the cases. It's one of those memories you have of Atlanta. You really wish you didn't have it.
So what you just heard is the trailer from the HBO series that came out a couple of weeks ago, Atlanta's Missing and Murdered. While we will be referencing that one primarily, um, we also, um, I actually had the opportunity when I was at Georgia State still to go to a screening of Mark Morey's documentary, Wayne Williams and the Atlanta Child Murders. I'll also probably be referencing Payne Lindsay's podcast, Atlanta Monster. This case runs insanely deep and there's so much information out there and it isn't all the same. So we just want you guys to know that we'll be referencing a lot of different stuff. This took place from the summer of 1979 until 1981. Of course, there are 29 named victims, but recently Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms and former APD Police Chief Erica Shields announced uh, in August of 2019 that they would be looking at 157 cases that may possibly all be linked. I'm not sure where they stand in that investigation, um, especially given all that's gone on lately uh, with COVID and everything else. So it's kind of on pause, I'm sure. But this is just a really ugly scar of Atlanta. It's something that needs to be addressed if we do want to move forward as the city too busy to hate, as they said. But basically, (laughs) the information that we're given in the beginning of the HBO series is that Atlanta is... A place where successful black, mostly young individuals have come. Atlanta was the black mecca of the South, pretty much. Um, This was a place that you could go and raise your family, start your career, start your business, and just kind of thrive and be amongst other black people and not really have to feel like you have to worry about um, outside prejudice. I mean, the mayor was black. Yeah, Maynard Jackson was voted in in 1973. It was the first black mayor that they've ever had. So things were kind of, you know, looking up for the African American community. Of course, um, it wasn't all rainbows and butterflies, as it never no, has been. But... You step about five feet outside of uh, 285, and it's a whole different fucking ball game. Yeah. But um, yeah, people were moving there because they've had a sense of community um the african-american people we don't really get to have much things you know for ourselves that are great especially at that time so yeah it was um becoming a city that was i mean that was going to be very influential to the united states yeah and they were pretty much thriving coca-cola was thriving maynard jackson had just gotten delta in atlanta the airport was a big deal so shit was popping yeah and also you know five minutes outside of atlanta we have stone mountain which is the birthplace of the modern kkk it's not even a mountain it's a fucking hill it's racist rock but yeah, there's just there the the time when all of this went down. I mean, definitely we have to understand in America, this is when like serial killers were becoming a known thing. People were realizing that like, oh, it's not a monster from outside of you know lurking yeah. in the bushes. It could be your neighbor. It could be anybody. But and like, also, we see this is the early beginnings of FBI profiling. Yeah. Um, and actually, they covered it in season two of Mindhunter. It's not insanely accurate, but they do talk about the Atlanta child murders in season two. So there's a lot of focus on alternative investigative measures, which yes. really takes away from the case when they bring in things later, like we see like psychics. Yeah. And I mean, they're overwhelmed. They don't know what they're getting themselves into. This is like the yeah. first time where 
this is like the front page news. The media is eating shit up at this point. Yeah, the I mean, twenty four news. Yeah, twenty four hour news cycle is new and emerging. Yeah, so people are pretty much watching this step by step in their living rooms and watching everything that's happening in the country. But a lot of things, like we know, uh, African American children are disproportionately. Um, disproportionately uh, <laughs> ignored, victimized, yeah, ignored, victimized um, in the media. We don't yeah. get as much attention. And I mean, yes, there are factors of the right place, the right story, the right time and things like that. Like, yes, that does factor in, but it's definitely a disproportion when it comes to uh, Caucasian children being. Yeah. Like in the, in the HBO special. Plastered everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Keisha Lance Bottoms is like, and, uh, if this was John JonBenet Ramsey, if this t- was 28 John JonBenet Ramsey's like, what would the outcry have been? Yeah. And, and I mean, people just want like the black community is scared already, you know, just from the outside world and having to interact with people, uh, that don't like them yeah. and want them to leave. And you live in a country where you're constantly, you've been constantly oppressed and every fucking year they come up with some new fun ways to torture you even more. And, you know, the police relate the relationship with the police obviously has not been good since day one. I mean, well, we consider we the see, founding of the police force. Yeah. It was, all in antebellum era it's all bad. badness like, it's all bad so you know and then after i mean pretty much being freed from slavery which wasn't really a thing i would freed say. as air quotes happy juneteenth yes um, happy juneteenth it is juneteenth but even after that having to deal with jim crow having to deal with public lynchings and just not even just like being convicted of anything minor just literally being killed for just being black and everybody knew what happened, who done it, whatever. And the reason it didn't go any further is because shit. half of the clan was the police force. Yeah, nobody gives a shit. It was just another dead N word. That's pretty much how they felt about it. Yeah. And I mean, even though Maynard is... Jackson was the mayor, Lee Brown was the public safety commissioner, they were black men in positions of power. They still were very much limited to what they could actually do and that's why in july of 1979 specifically july 28th of 1979 when they found the first two bodies of edward hope and alfred evans on nisky lake road in southwest atlanta it didn't exactly seem like this was connected the two of them were at different stages of decomposition and whatnot that's why it took there's a lot of factors that played into why it took nine children being missing and murdered for anything to be done. And that happened when Yusuf Bell was discovered. His mother, Camille Bell, started the Committee to Stop Children's Murders, which kind of spearheaded what turned into eventually the FBI getting involved and what seems like a giant, massive cover-up to wrap it up in a bow and pretend like this never happened, which we're not going to let continue. No, and I mean, like they said, they like uh, they opened up 157 other cases, and that's not really. I mean, at this point, they already know that the person that has been convicted of these murders has not committed all of these murders or any murders. A and lot of people, yeah, at don't this believe point, he did anything. I mean, at this point, we just need to open up all of the cases and try to solve them from the standpoint of yes. today because now we have better technology we have better profiling we have all these things that could that have been advanced in the criminal justice system and forensic science and all that stuff yeah we need to use those resources because clearly one person did not kill 157 people like 
It's, yeah. One person didn't kill 28 people and get by with it. Yeah. Specifically, Wayne Williams did not do these things. So what's important to note about the conviction of Wayne Williams, which a little bit of backstory, uh, Wayne Bertram Williams was only 22 when he was arrested and convicted of only two of the murders, which were neither one of children. So Wayne Williams was charged with the murders of Jimmy Ray Payne and Nathaniel Cater. Jimmy Ray Payne was 21. Uh, Nathaniel Cater was 27. And Jimmy Ray Payne, actually, his cause of death wasn't even murder at first. It was unspecified and then eventually got changed later on, which we'll get into. But Wayne Williams was only ever convicted of killing two adult victims, one of whom it wasn't even confirmed to be a homicide. And then nine other of the the child victims were lumped into his court case and he wasn't convicted of those and like 26 other of the cases were contributed to him and just closed. Nothing was ever done. There was no actual conviction. He's serving two life sentences right now yeah. and he's in Brunswick, Georgia in prison. And my wholehearted opinion and all honesty He's probably never going to get out of prison. Like, that's just that. Even if they do. He just had an appeal, like, not very long ago. Yeah, even if they do figure out who murdered all 157 of these kids, they're not going to let that man out of jail. No, he was their scapegoat from the beginning. And that's just that. They will will convict someone, they will convict a person for each single, like, every single case, and they will leave just one for him. Just Just one. one. And just the one who was never found. There was a yeah. child that was never found. I need to look back and see and what I mean, the name just, is. There's so many things that factored into this and the reason why it happened. I mean, not even just ra- like race, uh, class. like yeah. just, The only thing that all of these victims have in common is Memorial Drive. Which yeah, isn't, they all lived in the same area. Yeah. Which, that's why people think, oh, well, it had to have been one person. But, I mean, at the same time, if there's kids getting kidnapped everywhere in the 70s and early 80s, who the fuck? It could be anybody. Yeah, and, and I mean, at this I time, there was no, you know, obviously there's no computers. There's no, no this. There's multiple jurisdictions. done by hand. And, I mean, I do think that a lot of the kids... Um, probably died by the hands of their family members. Not a lot, but I feel like some of the There's kids, a couple who their yeah. families are attributed. There's a couple that their families know exactly who killed oh, yeah. their family member, and there's nothing that's going to be done about it. And I mean, they're young black kids that nobody is going to be looking for except for their families and their community. But if the cries of the community that's been oppressed are never, ever listened to, so then what's you think they're going to listen to you if you're missing your child? Absolutely not. No. For them, they don't care. It's just another N-word that went missing. And that was the pretty much the tone of what was going on then. And that's why it went on for so long. And that's why they were just kind of like, oh, well, now we look like assholes because now the president of the United States and the FBI are getting involved. Yeah. And they're basically telling us, uh, so you're going to convict somebody and you're going to convict them now. So hop to it. And so, that's basically what happened. They- one of the most iconic images to come out of this whole ordeal was freaking Maynard Jackson, literally like a mob boss with like $2 million in the seventies laid out on a table. Like if oh, any yeah. information is presented, also, side note, that $2 million was supposed to be in boxes somewhere in headquarters, like the and it's missing. The police it's knows. missing. So I want to know yeah. <laughs> what's up with that, because $2 million dollars is worth... <laughs> let me just say something about 
uh, what do they call it? Seize it whenever they seize things. Evidence. Evidence. Mm-hmm. Quote, unquote. Do you know how many pounds, ounces, fluid ounces of drugs go through the police officer's hands, uh, the FBI, CIA, all okay, these Okay, also, side note, watch How to Fix a Drug Scandal if you want to yeah. see even the people, like the lab testers of the drugs. One girl well, was I mean, literally... that make this shit. <laughs> she was literally making coke or crack into cocaine, or cocaine into crack in her office and yeah. like smoking like, it under her bad desk. Is not, breaking Bad is not a fever dream or a fantasy. Breaking Bad is very much so real. But, you know, the amount of evidence, the amount of cash, the amount of drugs that go through their hands... Because best believe, if they're not taking the drugs for personal use, they're probably throwing that shit back out on the streets and selling that shit for wholesale. Like, I... It's money kept in boxes for what reason? Get a fucking bank account. This is not DC. <laughs> like, get a bank account and put all that money in it. And honestly, like, I'm pretty sure these people... That money was used to grease somebody's pockets. Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of the money came bill. from, like... Donations, they did, I'm sure. They, it was donations, but they also did fundraisers. They, like, yeah, uh, Frank Sinatra and a bunch cared. of other people came and sang. But to kind of bring it back into focus, um, I guess we should talk more about the timeline. July 28th of 1979 was when our first two victims were found, Edward Hope Smith and Alfred Evans. There was a little bit of a lull. Victims didn't start picking back up until September, uh, September 4th, Milton Harvey was found, or excuse me, he, that's when he disappeared, but his body wasn't discovered until November. Then another like month or so went by. And in October is when we have our fourth victim who is Yusuf Bell. He is the son of Camille Bell, who was the one who again, um, founded the committee to stop children's murders. She's a badass. I love Camille Bell. They, They show in the, um, HBO documentary, all of the moms that pretty much came together to try to solve, you know, get some answers and get the public's attention and the media's attention. And those women were very, very strong. And I mean, just to have to live in that headspace for years and with no answers. I mean, it's been 40 years at this point. Well, with no answers, a lot of people died before they could even find out what happened to their children. A lot of people, you know, just had to move on. They had to get out of the city. They had to leave because it was just too painful for them. So after Yusuf Bell was found on November 8th, we don't have another victim until March the 4th, but this is actually our first female victim, which is Angel Lanier. I've also heard her called Angela Lanier. I'm not sure which is true. There's a lot of misinformation out there, but she again was the first female victim. She was 12. They actually have attributed that to be somebody who was an outside she's considered to be an anomaly amongst all of the victims jeffrey mathis was found a week later or no excuse me he was found 11 months later but he was taken a week after angel lanier and then we have another lull and then may 18th was when eric middlebrooks was uh taken but he was found the next day so then we have a couple more weeks before Christopher Richardson um, goes missing. Then we have another female victim who becomes the youngest victim, Latanya Wilson, uh, on June 22nd of 1980. The next day, uh, June 23rd, is when Aaron Weish goes missing, and he was also found a day later. Uh, Latanya Wilson wasn't found for another, like, five months. Then the murders really start picking up. So in the summertime of 1980 is when there's just a lot of kids that go missing. And several of them were directly attributed to Wayne Williams in trial. 
but again, he was never convicted of those. So in July of 1980, we have Anthony Carter on July 6th, Earl Terrell on July 30th, then August 20th, Clifford Jones. Then there's another little lull. Uh, through the fall, it kind of slows down. We've got Darren Glass taken on September 14th, Charles Stevens on October 9th, Aaron Jackson on November 1st, Patrick Rogers on November 10th, and then Luby Jeter on January 3rd. Uh, Luby Jeter is another one that stands out because he was threatened by Charles Sanders, which was a Klan's member. The Sanders brothers come up later. They're pieces of shit. They're racist. And they clearly had something to do with, at very least, perpetuating racism and being assholes. But at most, killing Luby Jeter and several other of these children. But... The murders stay pretty consistent throughout 1981. In January, um, there's Terry Pugh on January 22nd, Patrick Balthazar on February 6th, Curtis Walker on February 19th, and Joseph Bell on March 2nd, Timothy Hill March 13th, and William Barrett on May 11th. All of these were eventually linked to Wayne Williams, attributed to him, and the cases were closed. It is interesting to note that uh, with Terry Pugh's case, that somebody called to tip them where the body was, uh, an anonymous caller. So all of these, there seems to be some kind of pattern, but the more you look into it, there's no real pattern. There's lots of gaps. There's lots of differences in ages, causes of death, but yet all of them are just attributed to Wayne Williams and brushed under the rug. And their ages aren't very similar at all. So then we have the adult victims. So you have Eddie Duncan, who is 21. He was taken in March of 1981. Uh, Larry Rogers was 20. He was taken two days later on March 22nd of 1981. Uh, Michael McIntosh, three days later. He's 23. And then the last two adult victims that are attributed to Wayne Williams are Jimmy Ray Payne and Nathaniel Cater, May 22nd and April 23rd. These are the only two that there was actually any conviction of. So you have a lot of black boys and two black girls and some adults that are all taken between 1979 and 1981 and you try to put it all together and see who matches where. And the only thing they really had that had any kind of consistency that they could prove was fiber evidence at the time, which was a very new science, a very like pseudoscience. And later we learn in the HBO series that the lab that these fibers were being tested in was like a freaking dust bowl. Like there was just shit flying around in the air, like everywhere. And also, so... After a while, after some of the reporting picked up and there was actually airtime given to these kids, there did start to become more of a uniformity to the killings. Um, after a while, whoever was doing this was stripping the victims down and throwing them into the Chattahoochee River, which led the police force to start staking out bridges. And coincidentally, on the last night of weeks and weeks of stakeouts, a splash happens, and that's when things really start to unfold. So that is when Wayne Williams is initially pulled over by the police and questioned, and his car is searched. But in order to give you guys some more context of what goes on, we should talk about Wayne Williams as an individual. <laughs> Wayne Williams is very proud of the fact that he is a Gemini. He actually had a band called Gemini in the 70s. 
he was again 22 at the time that these murders were happening. He was just what most people describe as a young nerdy kid. He was into science fairs and he also had an FCC permit and ran a radio station out of his backyard. He was tied into the community. He worked for WSB, um, 11, a lot or 11 and channel two. He actually interviewed civil rights leaders like Hosea Williams on his show. And he just all around was an interesting character is what I <laughs> would say in Payne Lindsay's podcast, Atlanta monster. He actually, convinces Wayne Williams to do some phone interviews with him and we kind of get into his mind and we really see that he kind of became the fall guy to say the least. He had some police interactions. They weren't a huge fan of him. He was basically an ambulance chaser. He would go out to late night crime scenes, late night fires, take pictures, sell them to the stations and he just kind of had his fingers in a lot of pies. Like yeah. he was a talent scout or so he said, <laughs> he would put out ads in local papers and stuff, and he just knew a lot of people. And his father, Homer Williams, was a photographer who also was pretty affluential. He was involved in the community as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, they just, yeah, they were living their lives. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, definitely... From what we got to see, he was very confrontational. Yeah. Person. He. I he mean, is definitely hot tempered. Yeah. He did not. Do I think he did any of these things? No. Did he help his case? Not a bit. No. I was like, a police officer will frame you just for being black and you. A are police officer will kill you on live. A Facebook officer. Or a Facebook. A police officer will kill yeah. you on Facebook live and look in the camera and, and not I was give like, a fuck. You, I was like, in you antagonizing them, I was like, they will kill you for less, like, and convict you for less. So, no, he did not help. And they were pretty much just like, well, you know what? This guy's an asshole. He calls us out. He says what he wants to. He does what he wants to. He doesn't really have any fear. He's not being silent or complicit he's just basically fighting against us every step of the way which i mean if you're not guilty i would fight every step of the way but i mean wayne williams just really didn't have any any care or any remorse for the police he didn't give a fuck yeah for lack of better words he didn't give a fuck <laughs> the more i look into it the more i realize he probably got on the police officer's last fucking nerves by going to before they had even linked him to this the way that they did he went to crime scenes and stuff and took pictures so obviously there's going to be less of a margin for them to lie and get away with things if there's evidence yeah. beyond y'all's evidence of what's actually happening but one thing to note is wayne williams had been arrested before for impersonating a police officer which is does not look good on his part at all especially given the way that these kids went missing so a lot of people Especially he the parents was the perfect and children. Yeah, he like walked into their hands on numerous occasions, and they were just like, "Look, look at him! Look at how he's acting!" He's yeah, acting they also like, also the FBI profiler, like the yeah. profile, did fit Williams in a weird way, which was very fresh. I mean, it also seemed he's very around, convenient. He's around a bunch of younger boys. He and he's a small guy. He's yeah, like 140 he's a, pounds. Yeah, he's a small guy, he's short, super nerdy. The kids picked on him. I mean. 
they assume that, you know, okay, maybe he got so angry because all the kids that were picking on him, like, he just picked them off or whatever. Or, like, they also said, just, oh, well, he grew up kind of it Yeah, there's affluent, so many excuses so, that they could make. Yeah, oh, honestly, he hated poor black kids. Okay, that's... I don't know who has the time to murder 29 people it's, without being caught, without having any type of suspicions. Also, without some kind of racial motivation in some sense. I just yeah. don't... I mean, it just doesn't really make any sense. Do I think it was a serial killer? Maybe a few of them, but probably not all of them. These like, can't there's all be related. They can't all be related. Just statistically speaking, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But they need to be but treated as individual put, cases. Yeah. They need to put the police work into each case file as if it were its own individual murder because it was. These are their own individual victims. From the start, they didn't want to give them any attention at all. Then once there were nine entire victims... Then the committee was formed. Camille Bell and the other mothers were not being silenced. They were showing up at city hall meetings. They were making their voices heard. They were getting people to somewhat listen. Now, they discredited the fuck out of Camille Bell. But once they did get some attention, then they just wanted to lump them all into one category. Then they just wanted to blame the families, the parents, this, that, and the other. That's when the whole, it's 10 p.m., do you know where your kids are? That's when that all started. It's because they wanted to act like... All of these kids were children of the streets, which some of them were at a huge disadvantage. A lot of these kids were from low-income, single-family households. We could get into why that is. It's a whole other podcast. But basically, these kids were all lumped together. They were done a huge disservice. This was a major cover-up. They put it in a nice little bow and boxed it up for us. They tried to make it as easy as they could to just sweep under the rug and... In 2020, I think that we need to definitely look into these things more from a contextual standpoint. How can you have a corrupt police force still in 2020 and not look back and be like, oh, this was still the good old boys system. These people had clan tied. These people, there was a whole investigator whose name I need to pull up that was the only one to even review the individual investigation that was focused on clan involvement. And all of those tapes were just deleted because the guy, the single guy who, whose big old black shoes looked like they would have been under a bed sheet <laughs> by night. Yeah, no, that needs to be addressed. It's just a messy, it's messy. <laughs> yeah, it's a messy situation. They just... They didn't care. It all boils down to they didn't care. They didn't care. And they wanted to... people of the black community, and that was just that. They just needed to... They needed to keep it up. They needed to keep the people eye. from making any further outcries. They just... They didn't know what to do to the point where it was criminally negligent. Like... Yeah. They just... Yeah. <sighs> it's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. Every fucking, yeah, it's like, I mean, this is not even, like, one, this is just one This is one city. city. Yeah, I was like, this isn't just something that happened, or happened in Atlanta. And it's not something that just happened over the span of two years, either. And the killings didn't stop. No, it happens everywhere, and it's just, I mean, a life lost, or any child murdered, or any person murdered is horrendous and terrible, but whenever the people that are supposed to protect and serve you are the ones that are hindering you from getting justice or the people that were participating in basically not getting you justice. like that's Actively just, making it to yeah. a point where there was 
they literally just had to pick their fall guy and they just spun it into a perfect web and just mm. as Camille Bell says she regards Wayne Williams as the 30th victim so that says a lot her son was murdered and she can look at the evidence and she can look at everything presented and look at it from a objective standpoint to say no Wayne Williams was just another victim of this yeah I mean there's just not much that can be done I mean at that point he yeah they pretty much profiled a person to make them the killer point the finger at them and then only convicted him of two adult deaths one of which the cause of death was changed and Jimmy Ray Payne was found in the floater position. That is usually attributed to drowning. He was also found clothed, which was not typical of the MO. So there's a lot to look into. We need to definitely reconvene and hit you guys with some more actual facts that are better presented. But this is just to kind of contextualize what we're going to be going into while we're discussing the Atlanta child murders. Cause that's pretty much it. Like there's not, nothing happens after they convict him. Nothing. There's like, a couple of appeals made yeah. and all it does is bring up more dirt that makes you go, damn, they really just, yeah, they really pretty, just thought they could do this. Yeah. I was like, it's pretty straightforward on all sides of what was happening. I mean, Granted, do I think that white America was paying attention to it? Probably not, really. Probably not. I mean, they had... Not in... If they they were paying attention to it, it was just to be like, oh, no, my white children... You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they probably... I mean, a lot of people did think it was, oh, well, you know, it's just probably just, like, the African-American community's problem. It's not our problem. Yeah, no. our children. They live in one part of the city. We live in another part. So why should we be worried? They just put better gates around their freaking gated communities and ignored what was happening on the other side of them. But, I mean, at the same time, like I said before... A life lost is horrible. It's always tragic. It's always tragic. And I think a lot of people do. I, th- I think a lot of people in white America also did feel sympathy for these people because they lost their children. Yes. People usually for, I don't know why, but well, I know why, but anyways, people do put, a lot of people put animals above people. But anyways, when it comes to animals or children, just people that are, are entities that are innocent, they there's usually more are of a more, soft spot yeah there. they're more so going to you know have a soft spot and feel bad about it but do i think any normal citizen could have done anything no the police and the fbi were too busy having their hands in every fucking pot. some of them were too busy burning crosses in front yards but that's yeah. a story that <laughs> we're not necessarily ready for everything just kind of you know all these children pretty much got lost and this is just a cluster of kids that you know we're talking about this happened probably all over the United States. It happens all over the world where people that are at a disadvantage, I'm not necessarily just black people because you could go to Europe and they treat the Irish fucking like, like they treat them like shit. So, I mean, this just happens whenever you're in a minority, when you're a minority and the majority don't like you already. Actively and hates you and fears shits. you. Yeah, couldn't give two shits whether you live or die. Probably would cheer if you die you know, you're already at a disadvantage. And then even if you do get a little bit of attention and a little bit of media or you get someone to talk about it, it doesn't change anything because we've seen time and time again, we can yell until (laughs) we could, we are here, we are here, we are here. This is the story, everything. And then at the same time, they're just like, we'll throw you a little bone. Yeah. And that bone was Wayne Williams. And that was 
pretty much that. They were like, look, it's your problem in your community. It's not white people killing black kids. It's not anyone else. It's your community killing each other. That's pretty much what they kind of were trying to go for as well. But it's a lot... There's if you made it this kids. far, we will definitely be more concise and factual. It's just such a crazy case. The more you look into it, the more questions you have, but the greater sense that you get for, like, this was definitely yeah. some form of cover-up. Yeah, I mean, all the facts are there. Just looking at it, like, everything you need to know, we mostly pretty much told you, like... There's nothing more, nothing less. I mean, there's a few other things that we learned. Yeah, there's definitely some things that... Besides that, it's pretty much what you see. What the fuck is happening here? This is not... Obviously, this man didn't kill all these kids. Clearly, the police botched this whole entire investigation, trying to make themselves look good and like act like they care because the government was on their back. But... Literally, George H. Bush came down to Georgia. Which I don't think it made it any better. I mean, sometimes whenever you do add another... Agency. Another agency. It's just just more paper that gets pushed and done away with and just people that don't give a fuck. The investigation becomes more aggressive because they're just like, we're going to look stupid if we don't figure this out. Or, you know, people were investigating things that happened in Atlanta that didn't know anything about the dynamics of what was happening in Atlanta under... You know, well, I mean, before I moved to Georgia, I already knew what the fuck was up. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure they knew, but they didn't care. They didn't. I don't think they understood it as no. well. They don't understand from a African American's perspective. So. Nor did they care to. Which that didn't make it any better. But we'll probably wrap this episode up here. Um, if you would like to look more into the case, um, if you email us, I'll email you some case files because I have lots of them. I have like thousands of pages of very shittily xeroxed copies of all the fbi uh like papers and updates and you can go through and see for yourself just how fucky it all looks um pain Lindsay's atlanta monster is a great podcast if you would like to listen to that but you should really just be listening to us and again hbo has the atlanta missing and murdered uh the mark maury documentary is not available for available for purchase but yeah Uh, if you have any questions or suggestions, you can reach out to us on social media at high time for true crime or at Gmail. Also high time for true crime at Gmail. (laughs) Happy Juneteenth. And, um, that's my line. (laughs) I'll let you do it then. Happy Juneteenth. (laughs)